Hi everyone, welcome to a special edition of EHS This Week. Today we have a special guest joining us to answer some questions and provide her thoughts on a topic that's near and dear to many of us, including myself. This is Jason, one of your regular hosts here. And that is the impact and influence that corporate culture can have on an organization's safety culture. I want to introduce you to our special guest. Her name is Carol Ring. Carol has spent several decades working in corporate Canada. Uh, she has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to corporate culture. And today, as a consultant, speaker, and author, she helps leaders energize their workplaces. Carol, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today about some of the work that you've done and perhaps some of the observations you have on corporate culture and how that might impact the world of safety. Thanks for inviting me to be on, Jason. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Me as well. So first of all, can you elaborate a little bit on some of the observations of how corporate culture can be a simply a strategic advantage for businesses today in an increasingly competitive business climate? Sure. I mean, I think intuitively most of us are aware that a good corporate culture helps to attract and, and retain employees. You know, I think that's kind of a given these days. I think what people are starting to understand is that there really is a cost to poor culture, that you cannot be as competitive in a, from a cost structure or really be sustainable if you've got a really lousy culture out there. You're going to have high turnover. Your customers are going to see through your brand promise. So there is definitely a cost of poor culture. And secondly, the whole idea of brand alignment now. You know, social media has put customer service in the hands of the customer. And we used to have that saying, you know, if you had a bad experience, you would tell nine other people. Well, now if you have a bad experience, you're telling nine million people. So you have to have a culture that supports your brand promise these days in order to stay successful. That's really fascinating, Carol, and I like how you put that in terms of framing it as the cost of poor culture. Uh, you know, and I love the the social media example. I read a I forgot who uh, to attribute this to, but there's a great quote out there saying that maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, your brand represented what you told consumers it represented, whereas today, your brand is what consumers tell each other you represent. So I think that's uh, kind of a great way to sum up and and kind of align with some of your thoughts there. So in terms of you know, on the bright side of things or on the positive side of things, are there some examples of organizations that perhaps you've worked with or you can simply think of that have actually successfully leveraged corporate culture as a market differentiator for their business? Definitely. Southwest Airlines is a great example that people use, and I would suggest that WestJet here in Canada has taken a similar tack where they've offered sort of a discount airline but they haven't sacrificed customer service with it. And, in fact, you know, I just flew WestJet and got some Ottawa to Toronto, and it's so refreshing when you fly WestJet, right? You know, those flight attendants come on, and they're having some fun with you. And so, you know, they've really got that model going where they've got a culture of caring and being empowered and talking about the customer, and it's a differentiator for them. Zappos, the shoe retailer, online shoe retailer, I mean, they are just obsessed with their culture and about having the best selection and the best service, and they've grown that company as a result of that focus on culture from zero dollars to a billion dollars in sales, and mm-hmm. recently came together with Amazon. Walt Disney, right, they have a culture of memorable experiences. Their employees are not employees, they're cast members. So those are, you know, just some examples where people have really 
defined a culture for success, become obsessed by it, and as a result are seeing huge corporate success. Yeah, those are great examples. And I think, you know, on top of that, the examples that you cite and some of the stories that you've told, one of the things that I admire about all of those companies that you've mentioned is they really fundamentally understand how it's the little things and the sum of the little things, if you will, that really add up to a great corporate culture, first of all, and more importantly, or just as importantly, those uh, little things are what add up to a great customer experience and a memorable customer experience that you can tell all your friends about and whatnot. So when it comes to some of those details, uh, are there any differences in the roles and responsibilities you see within organizations or that you suggest to organizations when it comes to culture from executive leaders to workers in the field and everybody in between? Does everybody play a similar role, a slightly different role, or perhaps drastically different roles? Yeah, well, definitely it's the leaders at the top who set the tone for culture. It is every organization has a culture. The question is whether it's a conscious culture or not. And culture is always defined by the behaviors and language of those leaders. So every organization has a culture and the leaders set the tone. Now, having said that, there is a role for everybody in the organization. You know, every manager is setting the tone for their own department, just like the leader at the top of a corporation. You know, the leader has the job of defining what the culture needs to be for success, but managers all the way along play a role because of their influence on their employees. They're setting subcultures, if you like, and they can either be aligned to the leader or they could be not aligned to the leader, depending on your, on your circumstances. And so when you're doing hiring, you're hiring for fit as well. So in a position of being able to hire, you can hire people that are bringing in their own personal values to the organization, and hopefully you're hiring people that will align with that culture that you've defined for success. Absolutely. I like how you're, you have sort of a model or a, a suggested model in place around, you know, there's the umbrella macro corporate culture, but that culture is driven and is imperative to have these subcultures kind of aligning to that master vision, if you will, as well. Which kind of brings us now back to, you know, more specifically what our listeners are focused on and what our listeners are sort of tasked with within their organizations with this safety. Uh, so when it comes to employee health and safety, do you see that fitting into some of those cultural elements? And if so, how? Definitely they fit in. Many people are probably familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs that goes on where safety and physical well-being is really a number one priority. It's the same in an organization. If you don't have an organization that offers a safe environment, you're not going to be sustainable. You're not going to be able to maintain employees. So just from a ground up, you need to have a safe work environment for your employees. That's sort of a fundamental piece of workplace culture that needs to be in place. But once you have that fundamental piece in place, I would argue it gets a bit tougher to fit safety and health and wellness as a conscious piece into your culture. So once you've established safety, it probably takes less of a conscious mindset when people are talking about the culture of an organization. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's funny enough, one of the most common questions we get from health and safety professionals or one of the most common challenges they voice to us, if you will, when we're out there in the market talking to them, is that it's kind of challenging, especially as you mentioned in larger companies, to kind of shift the thinking and shift the culture internally away from believing that safety is a department, safety is sort of part of the company, whereas safety really should be pervasive, you know, as a foundational element of the culture itself. And when it comes to that, when it comes to some of your professional advice, uh, are there any specific pieces of advice that you would give to safety leaders and safety professionals when it comes to leveraging internal culture and using culture as an ally, if you will, to help gain wider spread adoption of safety across their organization, kind of going beyond just the department and making that part of everybody's day-to-day life? Yeah, you know, I think safety is such a challenging area in an organization because it can be so varied on the spectrum, right? If you're in pharmaceuticals or manufacturing, safety likely has a higher priority in your business model as opposed to somebody who may be in consulting services and has an office situation. So the spectrum of safety is quite large. And so I would suggest that one of the things that people who are in a leadership position when it comes to safety should look at is understand what's driving the leaders. Do they see safety as a priority or do they see bottom line results, profitability is their priority? Because if they're really, really focused on bottom line results, it's going to be hard to engage them in a discussion about safety. But if you can link safety to bottom line results, you're more likely to get their attention in that kind of an example. So rather than framing something, you know, oh, we we just have to get down to zero accidents, it's all about regulatory compliance, and the leaders don't see a link to their own priorities, you know, the goal needs to be around a culture of trust and continuous improvement, and that way people will report on accidents or will start to engage in conversations about how to create a safer workplace. And let's not forget that it's not only safety, it's about employee wellness, right? And there's a big productivity number around any of these either unsafe or unwell situations for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. I think generally for uh, any sort of business people as well as for uh, cultural impact reasons, you know, it's always critically important to understand your audience, understand the motivations of your audience. And as you said, when it comes to health and safety, sometimes that uh, that can mean fine-tuning your message or massaging your message into the context of something like ROI or bottom line. And as you said, there is a, an implied kind of very obvious bottom line impact to health and safety and employee wellness, which is productivity. You know, whatever business you're running, whether it's a services business or a Fortune 500, you know, consumer business is, uh, you know, for the most part, your most expensive line item, so to speak, is your employees and your staff. Uh, So that's some great advice there, Carol. I wanted to thank you again for your time. But before we let you go, is there a place that you would want to direct our listeners to to learn a little bit more about some of your work and some of your research? Yeah, for sure. I mean, absolutely. Check out my website at www.carolring.ca. There's some great blogs in there. You can sign up for the newsletter, and you can actually sign up for a leadership impact guide there if you want to see how you might be contributing to the culture in your organization. 
Great, and uh, I encourage everybody to check out uh, Carol's website. I was on there a little bit. Uh, actually, I've, I've been on there quite a lot over the past few days, and it's very informative and some interesting thoughts and ideas. Uh, Carol, I wanted to thank you again for your time today. It's been a, a fascinating, albeit short, conversation, but it has been very informative, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. Thank you, Jason. And thanks to you, our listeners. I hope you enjoyed our special guest today, Carol Ring. And uh, until next time, have a safe week.